Hello, everybody. This is Anna and Brian from A Modern World Podcast, and today we have our next guest for our web-free episode, um, Matthew Simon, who is a founder and host of the Web-Free Gamer Podcast. Hi, Matthew. How are you? Wonderful. Great to be here. Thank you all so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. Um, can you give like a small introduction, maybe to yourself and、uh, your background for our listeners? Yeah, definitely. So I. Started my、uh, Web3 Gaming podcast about seven-ish months ago.、Um, before that, I had just been working, kind of consulting in that area. I did a lot of consulting in my real job for a, a variety of industries,、um, everything from、uh, civil engineering to just、um, tech. And so I kind of pivoted that into Web3 because I saw all these really cool, interesting AAA Web3 games coming up. Some of them, I would just give them a small feedback. Uh, help them understand like what they're trying to achieve. Looking at other previous successful games, maybe give them a roadmap.、Um, a lot of these smaller studios really were、uh, had never developed a game before, so it was really interesting to see what they were doing and how they were going about it. And、uh, I felt there was a niche that there wasn't enough people who were just sitting and talking with the studios and the developers and really digging in from a gamer first perspective. So I mean, I've been. At this point, I've been gaming more of my life than I have not, and so I really like to hear that perspective. I've always found it fascinating in traditional gaming, so I wanted to bring it into the Web three space. And so it's really fun. I get to sit with people who know a lot more about game development than I ever will. They get to tell it to me. I get to talk about their games. We get to talk about games we had fun playing, things we look forward to in the future of the Web three gaming space, and all sorts of amazing things. So for me, it's.、Um, I told myself I'd stop doing the podcast if it stopped being fun. And, That has the only thing that's really been the case is it's gotten to be more and more fun, and then I get to be on other people's podcasts like yours, which is always a lot of fun. So it's just great. I get to meet a lot of people, talk to a lot of people, learn a lot of things, and、uh, that's just been nothing but fun for me. So my my background really has it almost feels like I'm becoming more and more of a people person, whether virtually or in person. And that's great to hear because it's you know it's great that we're you know we can have you in the podcast as well, and definitely hearing more about sort of all the insights that you've. Gain from all, I guess, all the different guests that you've spoken with, but I guess before we touch on that, like I'd like to know a bit more about sort of your journey into Web three and what got you fascinated,、uh, you know, by this industry, and you know, drove you to、uh, start hosting your own podcast. Sure. So really, like Web three, I've been interested in since、um, you know 2017. I think a lot of people. I, I will say this: I've been aware of Bitcoin since tw- 2011. And then again in 2013 and you know 2014, 2015, but I didn't really do anything with it because I didn't understand it or understand like what the point of it was. I would just be at my, you know, when I was in college and high school, those jobs.、Uh, I remember working at Whole Foods, and one dude was like, "Yeah, my friend mined Bitcoin in 2011. This was 2013." He's like, "He just sold it all and bought a brand new car." And I was like, "That's pretty crazy. Wish I had done that." But then not, but thinking like. Ah, that's like the end of it. It'll never go anywhere else from there.、Um, and then 2017, when it really just like blew the lid off of everything, and yeah, I was like, you know, there's got to be something to this because I've seen it come and go multiple times.、Um, it's just very fascinating. So I started learning more about the crypto、uh, area of things, and my brother was really、um, into a lot of that. And so we were looking at, you know. What is this landscape like? What is investing like? Is how do these coins get backed up? Like, what's their legitimacy? What's their utility? And really finding out, you're like ninety five percent of things. I still firmly believe ninety five percent of crypto coins to this day are scams. Five percent of them are legitimate and actually trying to do good things in this space. 
but 95% are just total crap and I wouldn't do anything with them. And I think that's a hard, I think that's a lesson that anybody who's been in Web3 for a while learns the hard way of, uh, I think we, anybody who's tried to go the investor route is like, I tried to invest in these meme coins, altcoins being like, well, I'll, I'll buy at the dip, sell at the pump, and then I'll put it in something legitimate like Bitcoin or Ethereum or a stable coin. And then lo and behold, it never works out that way. You, you lose some money or a lot of money for some people and you learn a valuable lesson. And so learning all that and seeing the cycles and then getting into uh, seeing the really early days of Web3 and I was like, huh, dApps, applications, decentralization, exchanges, seeing there was like more to it than just crypto. I thought it was very fascinating to find that people were developing games with smart contracts. And I was like, that's really cool. That's something I'd never like, it makes sense, you know, with dApps, but I never just thought of it that way. But then being really disappointed because a lot of those early games were play to earn and they were all kind of like cheap imitations of Flash games. It reminded me of the early um, App Store boom where you were like, there's a dime a dozen games. One out of every 20 is actually fun to play, but the other 19 are just supposed to be you know, kind of keep you clicking, get their ad revenue, and hopefully keep you in the game through some sort of weird arbitrary reward system. And so I didn't like that. I was like, yeah, well, maybe the game, I thought that was going to be it. I was like, I guess this is the fizzle out of all that. Lo and behold, with the uh, the last bull run, obviously some people made some money and decided they wanted to actually pour their money, effort, energies into making AAA games in Web3. And so that kind of started around 2020. And seeing how that developed, I was following a lot of those games and be like, this is crazy. Like people are actually trying to develop like legitimate games that rival traditional games. And they're actually getting people from the traditional gaming uh, sector who've worked in amazing studios, who've worked on amazing games. And they're really trying to build a fun to play game first. And then when NFTs came out, they were like, hey, one of the I, I never saw this coming. I think a lot of people didn't. Uh, one of the simplest things was they were like all the in-game assets that any gamer who in the history of gaming could tell you. Uh, you know, it'd be cool to own, you know, if you don't have a physical disc with the game on it in this day and age, it's like, you really own the game, sorry. Um, being able to own the game, own the assets, and then the community drivenness of being able to have an influence in the alpha and beta sectors and being able to see how things change and grow and have an influence. User-generated content, that's been a huge thing in Web3 that we've also seen in traditional gaming. So for me, it was all these amalgamations of I was like, this just seems like a really fun place to be. And all the people I meet are just like actually just seem like really fun gamers who want to have these great experiences and create these wonderful memories and, and fun to play games. And so really, that's where I pivoted around 2020 um, and just have kind of stayed ever since following it. But then it wasn't until 2022 where I was uh, I, I've always been a creative person. So I was in a band for about 10 years and I went all, all over a lot of the U.S. And uh, when that kind of fell apart, I was like, I don't have a creative outlet anymore. And uh, I've been a big fan of podcasts for a few years now. And I decided that, you know, I just give it a shot and see what would happen. And, you know, if it if in a year or I, I think I gave myself three to six months, I said in six months, if I'm not having fun and it's not going well, there's no point. I just won't do it. It'll just be I chalked it up to a creative outlet that didn't work out. Lo and behold, like from the get go, it ended up doing very, um, doing very well. And I had a lot of fun and I continuously have people um, coming on and uh, reaching out to me to be on and I get to be on other people's podcasts. And so it's, it's been a, a blast the entire time. And I, again, like, as I discussed, just love talking to people, hearing from people who know way more than me and being able to kind of give that educational perspective 
that insider perspective almost in my podcast to a lot of my listeners. So my journey at this point is just to keep doing the podcast. That's really my main bread and butter right now that I, um, that's where I put all my effort and energy in my uh, web three ecosystem. I've kind of tapered back from consulting a lot because I didn't really, uh, I didn't really like any of the projects I was consulting on. Like if I was honest, there was a period there where I was consulting on some games just to make money, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really a fan of the games. And so I wanted to pull back and really only work with games I really enjoyed, but I felt this was a good community driven aspect I could provide. So for people who are wanting to get into web three, especially web three gaming and don't know where to start, I was hoping to make my podcast educational, introspective, give you this view of why are these people creating these games, developing these games? What is their hope for the future? What is their hope for the sector? And really provide a full insight on all that. And so that's how it feels like to me. And I'm hoping that's what it continues to be. I think I quite enjoy podcasts as well because it's a way to meet a lot of like different people from different backgrounds and as well as just like see how the emerging tech could be applied for in the ways you you can't really expect like just to give oh my god this is actually quite um exciting um and but maybe can you for our listeners can you give some examples or maybe insights from the like the, the podcast itself or the consulting uh projects that you've done so some interesting bits yeah. So like one really interesting bit was one of the first episodes I ever did, we discussed AI and um, someone had talked about how they were uh, developing a program or wanting to develop a program of, you know, cheating is a big problem in not only traditional gaming, but um, it happens in some Web3 games, unfortunately, just because a lot of them are in alpha and beta. So they're still working through a lot of those kinks. It's ongoing development. And uh, they were talking about how in like first person shooters, um, cheating is a big problem. And so if you can create an AI that acts as like a referee and basically will analyze people's code or analyze what's going on with their server and be like, you have some sort of cheat malware installed, instead of having to worry about somebody reporting the player, the AI would just be like, they're automatically kicked. They don't get to be a part of this. They have um, alterations to the code, uh, the baseline development of the game. And that's just simply not allowed. I haven't, I don't know if that's happened yet or it's going on yet. But it was one of the first things for AI that I was like, I can actually see that being incredibly beneficial and useful because as I understand it right now, it merely is a reporting system of players being like, I think someone's cheating. I think they're like misusing, like we don't want them in. And then that eventually has to trickle up before somebody's like, well, your account is just banned. And with the AI, I think the way he was describing it is he's like, not only we would just, we would ban you at an IP level. He's like, Basically, we'd be able to probably ban you at like a machine level, meaning if you've ever, if you still have that malware installed on your device, but you're using it for a different account, the AI would still recognize it and be like, you just can't join the match because you're not a part of it. So it was a really interesting concept, things to hear about that I never thought of. And then again, user generated content. Um, there are some that I've discussed where um, the artwork, the characters for their game was all user generated content. And so because they did that, they have this really bolstered community behind their game. Because they're, in, a, in a way, people who have always wanted to be game developers, creators, creatives, get to literally be a part of something big like that, that otherwise, you know, if you don't go either work for a studio, found a studio, do your own game, it's just something you can never be a part of. The, the community aspect of Web3 Gaming gives so many people this ability to be a part of a project, as minuscule as it may be to, you know, an outsider to them it can be a very big deal and a life-changing momentum that gets them involved in more and more projects that way. And so those are just, those are just two things I think of that are really cool. Um, I mean, the last thing I could say that has been really interesting talking to people on the um, podcast is this 
how every single studio I talk to is never like, we're making this game because we're trying to make a ton of money. They're just like, that'd be a wonderful end goal. But they're always like, we really love games. We love making fun to play games. That was our main goal. It's been working really well so far. The community's behind it. We get that input. We keep making it fun to play. We change things as needed. And so I thought that was really cool to see is that um, that's been like a, a continuum across every single studio I've talked to. I've never had a single one be like, well, the end goal is for this game to make money. Um, and, and then hopefully it's also fun to play. It's always like, no, no, no. The main goal is to make it fun to play and work with the community. And then the games that do it well and do it right by nature are going to be making income from either the NFT sales or from the community wanting to invest in and be a part of the project. So uh, I'm really um, curious about sort of the, the community aspect to it as well, because I think um, the reason why so many Web3 projects don't kick off is that you know the the people who invest in the projects are not necessarily the people who end up using it so you always have like you know the investors that are putting in the money um more for the return than the actual i guess content of the project which gaming i suppose is is more focused on you know the ip the the content and the gameplay things around that so how like of all these projects that you've sort of you know gotten in touch with like what is the community been around that uh, have they been more focused on sort of the gaming side because i think you know hardcore gamers are still from what i remember they're still you know very much opposed to um you know web, the web tree side of things you know the heavy monetization in games is something that they think is kind of like almost impure and and i guess the whole gaming mantra so how how has these projects been dealing with that so what's been a really interesting approach too with almost every single one of these studios now is it's they have this hybrid approach, meaning this game can be completely played and enjoyed without any of the blockchain NFT aspects. But if you are someone who is into those things and enjoys those, they are meant to enhance gameplay, you know, in-game uh in-game requirements, assets, things of that nature. So it's really interesting to see they kind of have two roads parallel to one another and they almost follow the traditional gaming route and going, well, the game is free to play. You can enjoy all these aspects of the game. If you enjoy the blockchain aspects, though, having our NFT like our pass may give you double XP. It may allow you to get in-game skins and instead of just owning them in the traditional gaming sec, you can have them preloaded in a wallet. It'll keep track in the market for you and go, hey, You've been playing our game for 100 hours. You've earned like $150 worth of skins that um, do you want to keep them? Do you want to wear them? Do you want to just sell them into the marketplace directly at market price now because people will buy them? They're trending. And so I always thought that's a really cool aspect as a gamer because I think about all the games I've poured so much time into, collected a lot of things. And like, that's just, that's the belly of the beast. The nature of it is you just are like, well, yeah, like it's stuck in the game. It can't do anything with it. If somebody told me at the end of it all, they were like, so that game you played, 30, 50, 60, gosh, some games have probably played 300 hours plus. They were like, when you're done playing it, they're like, would you like to cash out your in-game assets for one, two, three, four, five hundred dollars $500? I'd be like, absolutely. That sounds amazing. I don't anticipate ever coming back. Or even if it was just, do you want to sell all the doubles? You know, I think about that in any game with the, the in-game economy, which usually is not like a real token or there's not a real money system in there. It's just like a, a coin or, you know, a, uh, souls or man or whatever and you're like well of course i'm going to sell all my doubles i don't care and you're just like i'm going to use those points to level up or buy other things i care about so it's another thing if somebody told me that could turn into real crypto or real fiat 
by just selling my doubles. I would be a hundred percent for it. And so that's a really cool thing that they're trying to do is they want to make the blockchain aspects so seamless so that it's as simple as, you know, you log in with your email and username and then there the wallet's already connected and you know, maybe you understand buying with Visa or MasterCard or a debit card to get things if you want and you don't have to again. But it's not you having to be like, I don't know what a wallet is. I don't know how to connect it. I don't know how to do all this stuff. And then if you were to just keep it in the Visa MasterCard area, they'd be like, so it'll lot you'll just buy $30 worth of skins. We know it'll convert it into whatever chain it's on. We'll say Polygon. Then if you were to sell those, it wouldn't leave you with a bunch of Polygon, especially if you're like, well, I don't know what that is. I'm not interested in it. They'd be like, it would just get converted back into fiat and you could cash it out via you know paypal bank account however you wanted or just use it as in-game credit to buy other things later you know maybe dlc expansion passes or uh, extra skins weapon packs things of that nature so and and it's cool because in that way you may be like well i never really spent any of my own in-game money except for maybe that initial nft pass which again i think for a lot of these games if the game is free asking for like an nft pass is kind of similar to like the battle royale games that are free and they're like well skins are extra money or if you want to have like these weapons packs or characters or extra money nothing you need to play the game the game at its base can be completely enjoyed free uh i warzone is a perfect example for cod i know so many people who have never bought anything in that game and i know plenty of people who have just been like they've released cool characters and skins i probably spent 200 dollars over the time that game has come out so it really leaves it down to the user to choose what they want to do and it's not like loot crate gambling style which is really contentious it's you know what you're getting, you know the price, you can decide if it's something you really care about or want. So that hybrid approach has been a really big thing, I think, in helping a lot of these games uh, toe that line to make sure that they're not focusing. It, it's not monetization first, it's gameplay first. Monetization is an aspect of the in-game economy that if players want to participate in, they're more than welcome to, but don't have to. And do you have like any kind of advice to those who want to game using Web3? Uh, or maybe they already have a game and they want to apply Web3 technologies on top of that? So I think it's it's hard to know where you want to apply Web3 technologies, especially if we're talking about you have like a traditional game and you want to bring in Web3 tech. I think we've seen a lot of traditional gaming companies try to do that. And unfortunately, it's been met with more negativity than positivity. It seems that having people who have worked in traditional gaming but have then pivoted to Web3 gaming has been much better. Um, I mean, an immediate person I think of is Paul Bettner, who worked on uh, a lot of the Age of Empires games, who now with his wife has their own studio and is working on a, a battle royale game um, called Wildcard. And so they've had a lot of really interesting response, amazing response. I don't think anybody in traditional gaming knows they're working on that, as far as I know. All their fans, all their people are in Web3 gaming. So for them, it's kind of like a maybe they realized that it was not going to work out for them to go to all their connections in traditional game and be like, hey, I'm trying this new thing with this new tech. You want to be a part of it? Or maybe they realize that part of that new tech is they don't need to have the support of all those traditional people. They have this different industry, this different growing emerging world that if they can get that community behind it, that's all that seems to matter. Um, and and that, that seems to be the way it goes right now. You know, I haven't seen anybody try particularly to be like this is we're a traditional gaming studio and we're going to do web3 right now it's and at least not in a way that it backfires on them i mean even when ubisoft is trying to get into it um people aren't a fan of it gamestop tried to get into it and they're deciding to shut down their nft marketplace sony literally um lost the ceo after their whole nft debacle i think the problem is a lot of them tried to get in on the nft aspect 
and it didn't work out for them. I think if they can find this hybrid approach of being like, the games are going to be the games developed the way they are, and then you can have these assets to enhance it, that would be the healthy medium. It's also going to have to be, again, in a way where it doesn't, it seamlessly blends. And I don't, I don't have any examples of that happening for traditional gaming studios right now, nor particular tech, uh, technology that you can do that. We aren't really there yet where it's completely seamlessly done. It's more so just when you have things like MetaMask or Plaid, where you kind of just log in and everything's easily matched up for you across the board. That's kind of where we're getting with that UX design of just the seamless, like it's a wallet, but it just feels like logging into some, another program, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think there's like a lot of this problem is still, I guess, kind of like a design problem. You're trying to communicate to the the players that, you know, this is going to be something valuable for them and make it easy for them to, I suppose, onboard into this um, completely different paradigm. So I'm, I'm wondering if like over the past, you know, half a year that you've been hosting the podcast, have you heard of any sort of, um, I guess, interesting developments in the space that makes, I guess, Web3 more attractive to the game industry or like any projects that you think is, you know, really using Web3 in, in a unique way and you can see this, I guess, scaling to all you know, other gaming studios across the world? Sure. I think for me, it's it's really just the way uh, they're trying to really bolster around that community. Because what's weird is in the traditional gaming sector, like there's communities around franchises. But what often seems to happen is it's it really only feels like in the last three to five years that maybe they put out a feeler for something. The community's like, oh, we really don't like this. Or, oh, we really like this. And they're like, we're so happy that you like this thing. Or like, we're sorry you don't like this thing. We will like do our best to fix it. Whereas like it, in the get-go from Web3 Gaming, they're just like, hey, here's our idea. If you're interested, follow along with us, more pending developments. And then people get immediately involved from the get-go to figure out how can they help be a part of this? How can they help develop it? And then funny enough, a lot of times the game studios will, you know, people underestimate Discord and the strength it has in getting a community. You know, if you get a really good Discord and you could just copy another studio's template to be like here's where you go to find information out of the game here's where you meet new members here's the chat room here's how you can buy sell nfts and people are in there are willing to just be help and nice and you have good mods it will build your community uh, really well really fast and having that community on your side you could be like i have fifty thousand discord members and outside of that nobody else knows about or plays my game well you're doing very well if you have fifty thousand people playing your game that it, it almost doesn't matter if you can appeal to a wider audience obviously everybody wants to grow their product get it out there but most people who are creating games in traditional would be like i'd be stoked to have fifty thousand people interested in and playing my game all the time so it is this really it's this odd place to be that you you have to kind of make sure that you're not just like bowing to your every community's whim you're making sure that you still are like well this is our vision this is what we're creating we're not going to derail from that but the community has immense input in is this what you want? Would you play this? Does this seem fun to you? Because if it doesn't, then we've kind of lost sight or path of that vision and we need to really figure out how to get it back. Yeah, I think it's just like a lot of projects. Um, previously, they tried to use Web3 for the community building and yeah, for, for the gaming industry, community building is, is the key. Um, but do you have any hopes and predictions uh, for the future of Web3 and probably your own? project sure so i mean my hopes and dreams for web3 initially especially web3 gaming is just i would love to see it it's kind of starting to make the jump to uh pc so 
now, realistically, before a lot of these games, you could only play them either in a browser or you had to go there and download a whole application, install it on your computer, and that was the only way you could play it. What's really nice is they're starting to get Epic and Steam keys, and you can get it from them directly by just signing up, then go download it through those platforms and play the alphas and betas through there. And that's really cool because that means we're only one more derivative away from these being on console. And that'll be really interesting because then you're really going to have this mass wide appeal where there's no limit, uh, you know, maybe outside of mobile simply by, um, you know, graphical limits of where you can play these games and be um, invested or involved in them. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the platforms are starting to, uh, especially since the, uh, you know, a lot of the in the U.S. at least here, since a lot of the. Um, regulations have been starting to get we're actually getting regulations around crypto people are kind of loosening their grip of being like if your game has web3 or crypto aspects hard ban you're not allowed to post in this store so that's been loosening a lot so that's nice too so it'll be interesting to see my hopes and dreams just to see it keep spreading more so that you know i think the end goal is that somebody's playing a web3 game not because it's a web3 game because it's a really fun to play game that they enjoy and they have great friend groups or they join the community of discord for the game and they really love the community and then after the fact they're like what is all this web3 stuff what are what are these nft things what is this in-game enhancements and somebody in the community is like oh it's really cool it's actually all these things you can add in if you want to give it a shot and it's either a very low level of entry um, as much as like, maybe we'll just say $60. Like if you were going to, if the game is free to play, like, and somebody's like, oh yeah, if you spend $60 on in-game items, you can make the game even better. I think some people would be willing to pay that versus going, but you don't have to, you can still just like play the game or grind and get there. Um, we all did it. Like, don't, don't be worried if you have to do it. So I think that's my main hope and dream is just to keep seeing it evolving, keep seeing the games, uh, you know, AAA is great. I hope it keeps staying AAA. I'm not opposed to seeing indie games, just like in the traditional. I really am curious to see more um, indie games, and I want to see more genres. So, um, so right now, we're seeing some genres of develop, like MMORPGs, um, action adventure RPGs. Um, you know, it's fantasy. Uh, you know, for a while there it was kind of just like card games, first person shooters. Um, you know, a lot of space exploration um, games. So. Uh, racing games so it's been cool to see that there's more and more coming out so that's my main hope is just to see that keep growing evolving um reaching more people and and, and so seamlessly reaching people they don't realize they're it's a web3 game uh hope for my podcast is just to continue to keep talking to people who know way more than me um and learn from them you know i'm looking forward to keep keeping updates with games i've already talked to looking forward to getting to talk to um more studios more people figure out their passions their reasons why they're creating these games and why they've pivoted if they used to work in traditional here you know their hopes and dreams for the future what they're trying to bring to the space make it different um again just really provide that educational content and try to provide a place that if you don't know anything about web3 not only web3 gaming not only do you find a place that can educate you on what it is and its basics but give you a lot of really cool games to go check out and go play and invest your time in projects that i think are worth um, playing and investing your time in nothing i don't like to have anything on my podcast that i wouldn't play myself so i never um i will say this i have a lot of gambling casino games reach out to me and i'm just never been a fan of that and i don't want to support that so i never have those on my podcast so I really try to make it that they're games I would play, they're games I support, they're games I endorse, they're companies and people and developers I've talked to and believe in. And so I think they are worthy of my audience's time. And so that those are my hopes, you know? And hopefully the space just continues to grow. We get more money. 
uh, people can continue to make these wonderful games and have success and we can just see it, uh, you know, the rippling effect from there, which I think will happen. Um, just seeing where we've been at from 2020 to 2024, it's, it's an immense change and growth from there. I, I'm, I'm very excited for the next five years in that sense. Uh, I agree. I think this is an area that, you know, personally, I'd like to see grow as well. There is definitely something there or, you know, there's a there's a lot more interest, especially with the younger generation in, you know, purchasing digital assets and a, a lot more of their money is going to the digital assets. So it's good to see, um, you know, people more focusing on sort of the ownership aspect of things because it is sad when, you know, you've invested so much in a game and one day they just decide to pull the plug because it's not, you know, profitable enough. That's just your entire, you know, that's a big part of your history, you know, a big part of your I guess childhood just gone just like that. It's happened a few times. Like um, completely. Yeah. Personally, I've experienced that. So I think we all have as gamers. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, but yeah, we, we are unfortunately running out of time. So I'd like to leave like the last minute or so um, for you, Matthew, for any sort of last words to our listeners or, you know, how can they find out more about uh, the stuff you get up to? Uh, where can they find, you know, the, the Web3 Gamer podcast? Sure. You can find the Web3 Gamer podcast on every major podcasting platform. You can find me personally on LinkedIn, and you can also find the Web3 Gamer podcast, uh, my page on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter at the Web3 Gamer. And I will say that is uh, three, the number three, not spelled out. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, We will be sure to add all of the um, links to the description so you can check it out and uh, connect to Matthew directly. And thank you for doing this episode with us. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. Looking forward to everything y'all do with your podcast. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Take care. <laughs>